Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. I'm Kim Swanson. Today's episode is going to be the audio from the Q&A portion of a 2001 webinar, How to Prepare for an ASHTA Resource Assessment. In these clips, you'll be hearing Mike Wagner, Sonia Pudaba, and myself. So we're going to just start at the top. We do have a few questions right now. But Sonia, Tara wants to know, are the timelines that you gave specific to remote assessments, or do they apply to on-site assessments as well? Uh, they do apply to both. So the timelines are, they're pretty, they, they can be a little rough timelines. You know, I was giving kind of ranges there, you know, four to six months, we'll ask you to submit an assessment request. You'll hear about your assessment timelines in four to six weeks. That applies to both remote and on-site. Brendan wants to know, what is ATG approval that was mentioned a couple of times? And can a professional geologist license be a substitute for a PE? That's a great question. Yeah, ATG approval, the ATG is the minutes administrative task group that oversees what we do at Ashto Resource here. Um, and and they're, they're the ones, it's a group of, of, of state DOT um, representatives that, that kind of make these decisions. And um, you, you can uh, apply for this. You can talk to your quality analyst about it. Uh, and, you know, as far as the details, what's acceptable as, you know, for, for, you know, substituting that for a PE as far as being accredited laboratory. There are some very specific requirements for the ASTM quality standards that, that, that a, a, a PG might substitute for a PE, but it won't, it's, you can't paint that with a broad brush for all of them. Yeah. If you want to know more about the ATG in general, uh, this week's podcast episode is specifically about the ATG. And I believe Two, three weeks ago, season two, episode 13 is about licensed PE requirements. So Brian Johnson with the ASHO Accreditation and Program answers some FAQs around PE requirements too, if you want to go into a little more detail about that. Um, so thank you. Someone else asked, Mike, we initially submitted all of our documents with our assessment request in April. Will we need to submit those again, those documents again? Um, no, they wanted to submit it again, unless there was any major changes, um, you know, as far as any documents that were changed at that point. Um, so no, they should be good. Okay. Now, Sonia, this is, it seems like a specific question. So perhaps, so stay with me up here. Uh, Patricia said, we applied for an assessment in May of this year, and we're told it would not happen until March of 2020. I thought you said we would be reminded to apply four to six months ahead of time. This is a 10 month lead time, question mark. I can actually, oh. if it's okay, I'll, I'll answer this one. <laughs> Go for it, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, th this can be confusing. Um, some of our very large states that it, it might take us, you know, eight months to complete an assessment in that state. We don't really have the, the technology, I guess the IT capabilities right now to, to do the canvassing in very small groups. So we kind of canvassed the whole state all at once. So if you were assessed last in your state for the last tour, you'll, you're gonna be at the very end of that assessment again. So there, there can be big lead times, unfortunately. Um, when, we sit, when we canvass each state, we're, we're saying, hey, we're gonna be assessing in your area in four to six months, but your actual assessment 
could actually be much longer than that. Thank you for the clarification on that. Sherry wants to know if your lab equipment has been in use and had no prior calibra calibration verification paperwork prior to signing up for an assessment, does a corrective action need to be made for said equipment or will there be a non-conformity regardless? Sonia, do you want to take that? Yes, and I'm going to answer it from the perspective that you're signing up for your first assessment. So previously, maybe nobody has been requiring that you have your equipment calibrated or standardized. So accreditation is really kind of the last step that you want to take. By the time you call us and say, we want to be accredited by ASHTO, you're telling us that, hey, we have gone through at a minimum R18, but any ASCM quality system standards you also need. We've gone through these, we've created written policies and procedures, and we've done everything they've you know, required, including getting all of our equipment calibrated and standardized. And then we come in and check you against that. So if you're a first time lab, uh, unfortunately, we don't take it easy on you. We don't cut you a lot of slack with, with records. So we do expect you to have all of those records, even if it's your first time. Thank you for that. Sonia, this next question is for you. We have submitted our lab, submitted for our lab assessment, and we found we have a couple key people that are going to be out for certain dates. We have not heard back as to when the dates of our assessment will occur. What's the best way to contact resource to let her know um, our assessor about what is the preference of the days in and out for the assessment? That is a great question because we do, before we schedule, like I said, you know, we choose the assessment dates, but we always like to hear about any dates before we even try and schedule, you know, try and fit your lab into a two-week trip. We like to know about any blackout dates for you. Uh, the best thing that you can do is if you already know those dates, when you submit your assessment request, there's actually a space where you can put a few dates down and say, you know, no one's going to be in this week because all of our technicians are out for training or something. But if um, you've already submitted your request, then feel free to call somebody at our office. You can also email info at astroresource.org. You can call Mike or myself. You can also call the senior assessor in charge of scheduling. And what we can do for you is we can add comments to your uh, assessment request, letting assessors know, hey, please don't schedule the lab on these dates. Some key personnel are going to be out. Thank you very much for that, by the way. Letting us know up front ahead of time if you have a couple days that just will not work for you really uh, reduces some of the headaches of scheduling. Absolutely. Mike, this next question is from you from Sherry. She wants to know, what should I do if there's a staff change after I submit the documentation before the assessment? Yeah, that's fine. Just talk to your assessor whenever they give you a call or send you an email. Um, you, you can kind of wait to, to your schedule. You don't have to... to redo everything and send it in again. That's something that can be discussed and they, your assessor will look at it when they're there for the on-site or, or remote assessment. Thank you for that. Sonia, our next question is for you. Do we need to submit the last calibration or do you want to see all the previous calibrations or just the last two or three calibrations for equipment? Oh, this is a great question. So we need to see all of the current uh, calibrations and standardizations. Absolutely. We need to make sure that all of the equipment that we saw being used and all of the equipment in your lab is currently calibrated or standardized or checked. And then what we typically do is we go through and we do a spot check to make sure that you're following the intervals. So we'll pick a few pieces of equipment and we'll start looking at a couple years back and make sure, yes, you've done your sieves every 12 months for the last three or four years. We don't typically go back um, 
past the last assessment. So we, we do normally only check the last two years. Thank you for clarification on that. In a similar vein, Mike, do laboratories need to submit test reports for all the tests that they demonstrate? No, that's a, that's a great question. No, you don't have to submit all of those. Uh, your assessor will, will talk to you about the ones that, that they like to see. Um, for, for the tests that, that you are being accredited for, they will need to see them at, at some point. Thank you. Okay, going back to the 10-month scenario where the scheduling of an assessment, um, Patricia had a follow-up question. She said, since my assessment is scheduled 10 months out, my blackout dates may change based on some staff issues. Will we be penalized for changing the date? If a tech has a baby, we may need to change the date. You will absolutely not be penalized. It's totally understandable. Um, again, communication is key here. So just uh, just reach out to, to me, Sonia, um, or anyone at Astra Resource, and we'll make sure to, to get those dates changed for you. Um, we're more than happy to do stuff like that. Uh, we understand that things change, and, and um, we appreciate you guys, you know, staying on top of it. I guess a small clarification there is if your schedule, if your assessment has been scheduled and it's on the books for a certain day and you wait until the week before the assessment to let us know, by the way, we need to change it, probably there will be some uh, financial penalty. We might charge some fees there. Uh, so definitely tell us early. And uh, yeah, but that's a that's a good reason for needing to postpone an assessment. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's always earlier, the better to try to make that change. And again, as Sonia said, once an assessment has already been scheduled, there's a lot of moving pieces there that's kind of hard to untangle. But um, similar vein, um, an anonymous attendee asked if they could change the date of their um, ASHTO or CCRL assessment dates, because both our assessment dates are really close together because they're in Puerto Rico. So how, Mike, do you suggest that any guidance you can suggest in, in that scenario, that they're, the CCRL inspection and the ASHA resource assessment are gonna be really close together for them. Yeah, no, that's that's great information to have. Um, sometimes it's there is a, a little bit of a lack of communication between the two groups and, and we don't wanna make sure we get there too close together. So that's actually something I'll talk to, to the, you know, some other managers about to see what we can do and kind of get more information as far as, far as um, you know, when they're going to be there and when we're planning on being there. And we, we can work, we can work it out together. Um, and we'll also work with, with the labs individually too. Um, you know, if you're, you get scheduled for assessment, make sure to, to let us know like, Oh, Hey, our CSRL is going to be here the very next week. Can we do something? Can we do something about this? Yeah. But we're going to try our best ahead of time to make sure we're, we're not getting too close to, to that situation. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we understand how stressful an assessment can be and to have it back to back with two back to back. I, I don't wish that on anybody. So I think we for sure do what we can within reason for, for those areas. All right, Sonia, going back to calibration records. So regarding a laboratory a laboratory's first assessment and calibration records, if they have had their equipment calibrated, they may only have one or two calibration records. Will they be written up for not going back five years? So that's the first question. We're gonna ask that question. So will there be? Okay. <laughs> so no, so a first time lab, we expect you to have all of your current calibration records. So everything that you're using, you should have a current record for because you haven't been previously accredited and you might've had no reason to get it calibrated in the R18 intervals. We certainly do not look back. So if it's your first time, we just make sure that you have current records. 
Um, yes, our team does require that you keep technical records for a minimum of five years, but we can't hold a brand new lab to that. So we actually, we write an informational note on your report, which is a note that does not affect your accreditation at all. It is purely on your reports that you have a little bit of extra information and it's actually confirming that you're, you're a new lab. You do not have five years of records and we do not expect you to, and that's okay. And I think that was the answer to the follow-up question in that. So oh. I think that, I think that's why I didn't ask at all because I thought you were going to get there. So hopefully Patricia, that answers your question. If not, type another one in. And we have enough, this last question I'm not quite sure that I understand this question. So I'm going to say it and see who gets it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And if I don't ask it correctly and it needs clarification, please type in if this is your question. So we, the question is, we recently had a CCRL asses assessment. The inventory includes concrete equipment too. Do we have to separate out concrete equipment? I can jump in. It's a great question. Um, the answer is, is no, you don't have to. Um, the, the system that you have should work for, for you, for your laboratory. It should be easy to understand for, for you and your technicians. So if it all works for you to have it all, all together in one big list, that's great. The assessor for a resource, when they show up, they'll just have to, to look for, you know, the pieces of equipment that, that are pertinent to the assessment. Um, but it, if it helps you, your, you know, your staff to have, you know, a, a list that has, you know, a concrete section, a soil section, an aggregate section, an asphalt mixture section, that's great too. Um, you know, again, this is a, it's kind of what works best for, for you in, in your laboratory. I'm glad you understood that question because out of context of someone who's never done an assessment, I was very lost on that. So I'm glad it sounded like that answered that question because I was like, I don't know what this is even asking. So hopefully I answered it. Not, <laughs> let us know. I think it, it clarified the question itself for me, your answer did. So hopefully that worked out for anything. Is there anything, Microsonia, that you'd want to add or that you think maybe new laboratories would be benefit to know any like little tips of things if we as we wait a couple of minutes? I would say the biggest thing is if you are confused or have any questions, we have a contact us page and it has everybody's email addresses and phone numbers. So if, if you're staring at your computer and you have no idea what the next step is, please don't hesitate to call us. We can walk you through any part of this process and help you get signed up for the test that you need. Yeah, so don't hesitate to reach out. And in that time, someone did type another question in. So Mike, we'll have you answer this one. During 2020, what is the best way to handle a calibration that's been missed or is out, out of interval because of 2020? <laughs> yeah, that, that darn 2020. Um, so the first thing is, is make sure it is up to date. That's, the, that's kind of the, the best way to handle it is make sure it is currently calibrated. Um, and then if it's a situation where, you know, the laboratory was shut down for X amount of time because of, of COVID. You put a note in your assessment, in your um, you know calibration record binder. It could, laboratory was shut down from this period to this period, or something along those lines. You, you, you know, I think it's it is what it is. We, we get it. We've seen. You know, we've been around. We we've had natural disasters that have disrupted the the assessment tour before, and 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 assessors are understanding. Um, but you know. It, there might be a, a, a finding about that it was missed, but it's okay. It's a, it, at the end of the day, it's okay. It's a good opportunity to, to kind of look back and think how we can improve things. But if you were shut down for whatever reason, put a note on your records that, that that's why, and, and chances are that that'll be fine for your assessor. Yes. And in conversations that we've had on the 
podcast with Brian, similar questions have come up. And in the accreditation realm, I think I can safely say, it's just document when you had to deviate from your standard procedures. So when you had to deviate from the intervals or things, just document why. And that's generally going to help along the way. But working with your QA after the fact will be a good way as well. You can ask your assessor whether there's on site or remotely for that. So our next question, which maybe our last question, maybe not. Some of the techs are scheduled for certifications in the upcoming months. If the assessment is scheduled before they get certified, can we submit their certifications later when they receive it? Sonia. You sure can, and you will actually do that. So if we if we do your assessment before your technicians are certified, we will have to write up a nonconformity under the corresponding quality system standards but that will give you a space to upload resolution to that nonconformity and the resolution will be, look, we got our technician certified. Here's the evidence that they are now certified. So yes, you can upload it later. Remember our assessments aren't pass fail. We'll write up findings, but it's not, a, not an issue of, oh, you got a finding, we can't accredit you, we'll come back later kind of thing. We write up findings and then we give you an opportunity later to fix them. I think that is a great point and a great reminder. Specifically with the, Mike's part in the uh, during the presentation that this is an open book, open note, phone a friend kind of scenario during the assessment. So um, it's not a gotcha. We're not looking. We're looking for things, but we're not looking to make your life harder than it needs to be. <laughs> I think. If any calibration records are missing due to the inability to get calibration personnel due to COVID, will that be a nonconformity? No, that will not be. Well, if calibration records, previous intervals are missing, no, that will not be a nonconformity. Um, at most, that would be what we call an observation. So that is something that you do not have to submit uh, documentation proving to us that you have resolved it. It's an opportunity for you to do in-house resolutions. It's still something that deviates from the standard. But I will be honest with you, if you've documented it, it's due to COVID, you had to skip an interval, but now you've got it done and it's up to date, I'm, assume, I'm going to... Um, not guarantee it, but I'm going to think that your assessor is going to be lenient with you and say, it's okay. This, this was a major world event. This happened. It was out of your control and they're not going to write it up at all. Thank you for that clarification. Sneaking one last question in there. Um, but if you have any other questions, feel free to contact Mike and Sonia or info at astroresource.org or LAP at astroresource.org. We have a lot of different ways for you to get into contact with us here. So again, thank you to Sonia and Mike. If you want to see the full webinar associated with the audio you just heard, check out the link in our show notes or go to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resources' Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.